Welcome and thank you very much for accepting our invitation for this Bible study and reflection on August 10th, 2022. Let us begin in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Peace be with you. Let us pray. Almighty God and most merciful Father, we thank you for your word that enriches our lives and when sent, never returns empty. Help us to meditate on your word and help your word to reveal to us your will and reveal your Son, Jesus Christ, to us. In his name we pray. Amen. Well, today I'd like to start by sharing a story with you. My dad graduated from Clemson in 1948. Clemson was still an agricultural and mechanical college at the time and did not become a university until 1962. I spent three semesters at Clemson, and three of my younger brothers earned their degrees there. Our son Hunter and daughter Caroline both graduated from Clemson, and many of our nieces and nephews as well. And yes, we do have some Gamecocks in the family, but the majority are Tigers. Our son, Hunter, graduated from Clemson in 1998. My dad passed away in 1992, and among other things his second wife, Lois, kept, there was his 1948 Clemson ring. Lois associated significant meaning in the 50 years since my dad graduated and our son, Hunter, graduated. So Lois made it known to the family that after she passed away, she wanted Hunter to have my dad's ring. Well, Lois passed away in 2014, and I was given my dad's ring, and I was going to pass it along to Hunter. I called him one day and let him know I wanted him to stop by the house and pick it up. He came by that afternoon, and I handed him the ring, and he looked at it and handed it back to me and said, I would like for you to hold on to it until. Well, as you can imagine, I got a little choked up and said thank you. After Hunter left, I knew I had a decision to make. What would I do with my dad's ring? Option A, I can put it in a safe place and maybe get it out and look at it once or twice a year. Or option B, I could proudly wear it, and that is the choice I made. I am honored to wear it, and it is a constant reminder of how much my dad meant to me and so many others. If I had elected option A, I would have, in essence, been burying my dad's ring. Well, by now you might be wondering how this is going to lead into a Bible study. Well, today I'd like to read and offer a short commentary on the parable of the bags of gold. This is a parable that Jesus told, and it's in a series of parables that he told. And today's parable comes from the book of Matthew. I'm going to read one short verse from Matthew 24, 3, and it'll kind of give you the setting of where Jesus is. Here is the reading. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Now Jesus preached and taught about the kingdom of God quite often 
And this is a continuation of that kingdom discussion, if you will, in our next reading. He starts off by saying, again, it will be like. He is referring to what the kingdom of God and kingdom living will be like. This reading comes from Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 30. Here is the reading. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more, his master replied. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown, and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you, his master replied. You wicked, lazy servant. You knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers, so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. For whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside, into the darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, in preparation for this study and reflection today, I discovered an organization called Theology of Work Project. The vision of the Theology of Work Project is that every Christian be equipped and committed for work as God intends. A Christian approach makes more meaningful and productive benefits society and the people we work for and with. It gets us through the challenges we face on the job. It draws people to Jesus and brings glory to God. I would add a personal note that living as a distinctively Christian, or as Jesus would say, kingdom living, applies not only to the workplace, but home and social activities as well.
The following commentary is my adaptation of a post I found on the Theology of Work Project website. The meaning of the parable extends far beyond financial investments. God has given each person a wide variety of gifts, and he expects us to employ those gifts in his service. It is not acceptable merely to put those gifts on a closet shelf and ignore them. Like the three servants, we do not have gifts of the same degree. The return God expects of us is in line with the gifts we have been given. The servant who received one talent was not condemned for failing to reach the five-talent goal. He was condemned because he did nothing with what he was given. The gifts we receive from God include skills, abilities, family connections, social positions, education, experiences, and much, much more. The point of the parable is that we are to use whatever we have been given for God's purposes. The severe consequences to the unproductive servant tell us that we are to invest our lives, not waste them. Yet, the particular talent invested in the parable is money, on the order of a million U.S. dollars today. In modern English, this fact is obscured because the word talentus refers mainly to skills or abilities. But this parable concerns money. It depicts investing, not hoarding, as a godly thing to do if it accomplishes godly purposes in a godly manner. In the end, the master praises the two trustworthy servants with the words, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. In these words, we see that the master cares about the results, well done, the methods, good, and the motivation, trustworthy. Sometimes Christians speak as if growth, productivity, and return on investment were unholy to God. But this parable overturns that notion. We should invest our skills and abilities, but also our wealth and the resources made available to us, all for the affairs of God's kingdom. This includes the production of needed goods and services. The volunteer who teaches Sunday school is fulfilling this parable. So are the entrepreneurs who start a business and give jobs to others. God does not endow people with identical or necessarily equal gifts. If you do as well as you can with the gifts given to you by God, you will hear his, well done. Not only the gifts, but also the people have equal worth. At the same time, the parable ends with the talent taken from the third servant being given to the one with ten talents. Equal worth does not necessarily mean equal compensation. Some positions require more skill or ability and thus are compensated accordingly. The two servants who did well are rewarded in different amounts, but they are praised both identically. The implication of the parable is that we are to use whatever talents we've been given to the best of our ability for God's glory, and when we have done that, we are on an equal playing field with other faithful, trustworthy servants of God. Of note is something I learned also. Jewish teachers used to say that 
Anyone who immediately buries money entrusted to him is no longer liable because he has taken the safest course possible in protecting the money. Well then, what would it look like if we took the safest course possible and buried the love, grace, mercy, compassion, and many other gifts we have received from God through his son Jesus? To be honest, it would mean that we are a worthless servant that deserves to be thrown into darkness. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father and most merciful God, we thank you for your living word, your Son, Jesus Christ, who modeled kingdom living, and through the gift of your Holy Spirit, we are enabled and equipped for kingdom living as well. Help us to use our gifts and talents for kingdom building and to glorify you. We lift up this prayer in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Go in peace, serve the Lord.